Cavalier fans, welcome to this edition of the Believe in Cavs podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and joining me, as always, is Derek Anderson. DA, how was Vegas? I got to know everything. It was great, man. Got to see some uh, young guys learning how to play the game, seeing some of my former teammates and uh, former players coaching now. So it was good to reconnect and also see the next generation. So I was excited to see those guys. Yeah, I was talking to somebody um, about summer league and going because I would love to go one year. And it's just like an NBA con, like how you have Comic-Con and whatnot. Yeah. It's like an NBA <laughs> con. There's just people all over, people who yeah. are blogging on Twitter. You get Steve Ballmer, who seems to have glued his butt to a chair and just watches basketball all day. It just seems like a total basketball um, convention. It is. It is. It's uh, It's good, though. You see everybody. Former, young, new. I mean, it's just it's just a bass. Like you said, it's the Comic-Con of basketball. Yeah. Uh, great, man. Well, we're going to get started on some Cleveland Cavaliers talk. The Cavs uh, are one of the few teams, I think, that are um, not pushing any of their younger guys from the last two drafts. Um, obviously, Evan Mobley has no reason to play. Same thing with Cade Cunningham and things like that. But – uh, Oshay Egbaji has been playing. Isaiah Mobley has been playing. Luke Travers has been playing. Um, DA, did you get any time to watch the Cavs play specifically, or were you kind of bouncing around to some other teams? Uh, I've I've saw them play a little bit, but I spoke with the players individually from the uh, in our team meetings and spoke to both of them. We had good in depth conversations, telling them about the game, and then I watched them play. And they actually used a teammate, good being a good teammate. Uh, not worrying about that bad play, moving on to the next, just seeing them grow just from a day or two and then seeing them for a couple of days uh, later, seeing them play a little bit. You could see that they're they're going to be great teammates and great players. So, because this is much more interesting all of a sudden, um, who who did you speak to? Uh, Ocho and uh, Mobley. Oh, that's drafts. awesome. That's yeah. very, very cool. Um, what was what was that like? I mean, th- those are the two players that I think Cavs fans are going to be seeing maybe making more of an immediate impact. I mean, obviously, Agbaji, but Mobley's going to be right down the street in Cleveland playing with a charge on, on a two-way contract. So if there's an injury, he's going to see the at least the bench as a body. So um, what what were the discussions with those two guys like? Because that, that's really cool. It was good. It was just like I said, it was basically what they what to look for uh, in being a good teammate and good leader, even in a summer league. Like you practice those habits now. So when the season starts, whether you're on the bench, if you, you know, whatever happens, you're still learning how to be a good teammate and be better as a player because you can bring value to a team. And they were both receptive, uh, very well mannered. Like they are very, very. But that's what happens when you have other people who've taught you things. Even Ocho, he being a four year player. He's learned leadership just because he had no choice. You know, when you're in that position in college, like you have to lead these young guys that way. And I think this has been amazing to see these young guys be so mature. Yeah, uh, that's very true. They stuck around in college more than the average NBA rookie does. You know, Mobley spent a couple of years at USC and Agbaji was there for four years. So that that definitely factors. Um they're kind of the older guys in summer league, you know, other, other than the vets who are there, you know, every year to fill, fill uh, roster space. 
Um, but okay, very cool. Um, so you got to watch a little bit of the Cavs play. Um, Agbaji has been, and I and I've been able to watch on and off. Agbaji's been to me um, coming in with uncertain expectations, given that you know he wouldn't be playing with obviously Garland or Rubio or, you know, any of the primary point guards that they would be playing with in the season. I, I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to go because he's a very catch and shoot kind of guy. Um, but he has demonstrated the ability to create and the ability to take and make threes off the dribble and make catch and shoot threes. Uh, he was excellent against the Hornets. He had 24 points um, and just raining threes from seemingly every every part of the court. And, and, and I think that makes a big difference. What, what did you notice when you were able to watch them or which game were you able to see? I forgot who they were playing, but again, I watched them, their mental growth. Like they, they move on from plays. They didn't complain. They were really hard working hard. Like those guys are just really like, like you can tell someone's mentored them on how to just keep playing hard. And you know, that's half the battle. Like you have a lot of talented players, but unless you guys have some 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 motor skills and some development, it's hard to get some get to get a lot out of a player. But both of them have really played well, man. And um, I can't remember who they played. They shot the ball well, shared the ball. Uh, Mobley even hit a jump shot, and he was really smooth with it. Um, so it yeah. was it was really good to watch him play, man. I was just excited. Again, I watched the game from a different perspective. Do they are they a good teammate? Do they play hard? Do they enjoy the game? All that showboating and pointing to the skies and your chest, I'm not into all that. They didn't do all that <laughs> hard, so. Hey, I am here for the different perspective. Absolutely. So they played San Antonio for game one. That yeah, would have been they, Friday. Yeah, they beat them. Uh, they did, I didn't, yeah. It was – I saw them Sunday. So whoever they played Saturday, so Sunday. They were playing – they were played – they played Denver on Sunday. Yeah, it must have been Denver then. Yeah, they, they played Denver on Sunday. Yeah, I you know Isaiah Mobley is, is really interesting because I'm not sure exactly what his value is to the Cavs immediately. Um, but based on some of the things that I saw at Summer League, you know, you had mentioned he hit a jump shot, which is which looked smooth. And I think that's yeah. that's the yeah. value as a big, if he's able to take a few steps back and hit a three, I think that will factor a lot, but he also showed pretty good skills as a passer. I think bigs who can pass, that's kind of the nature of the game for the Cavs. I mean, Mobley is a pretty good passer and Jared Allen is, you know, a pretty smart passer. I wouldn't say he's necessarily like a super great passer, but he's a smart passer. And yes. if Evan Mobley or if, Isaiah Mobley, that's not going to be confusing at all. If Isaiah Mobley is able to <laughs> provide some passing chops and hit a couple of threes, you know, he'll, he'll at least earn some minutes down the line um, during the season because they will have guys to get hurt. It's just the nature of the game. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, that's part yeah. of it. But like I said, if they're mentally tough, they'll bring value and they'll get a chance to play. Right. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, you know, Agbaji has played well enough that I think he might be starting to push guys like Jetty Osman, Dylan Windler, might be pushing them for minutes. Um, and, you know, if he's hitting shots, it's going to be very hard to not have him on the court because Jetty is just hot and cold. Maybe the definition of hot and cold. He's either going to go seven for 11 from the floor <laughs> 
or he's going to go three for 15 and be totally unplayable. And you got to get him out of there. And that was kind of a problem for the Cavs at times when they, when Jetty wasn't on, they kind of struggled to decide, okay, who's going to get the ball other than Darius from beyond the arc. It was kind of difficult. You weren't quite sure if Evan Mobley could step back and hit three. Didn't quite trust. He didn't have Colin, didn't have Ricky Rubio. So if a Baji is, is able to hit shots, it's going to be tough to keep him off the floor. Um, do you think that, you know, based on your interaction with him, you know, is, does, does that seem like a guy that it looks like he's going to start to push some of these vets and maybe squeeze their minutes out of them? I wouldn't know about squeezing them out of them, but I think if anything, he'll be one of those guys, if you call him, he'll always ready. And I think he'll push them to a standpoint, especially in practice. And once he learns the game from them, that's when he'll start to separate. You can tell he'll start adding more value in games. Um, again, you can't replace four years of experience with he's coming into the game. Like guys are leaving one year out of college. They haven't developed a whole lot of even defensive principles. He's already has that, you know, certain things. So I think he'll push, he'll push them to a, to a place, but I think he'll just be one of those guys who won't, who won't try to do too much either. So he won't come in and say, Hey, I'm going to go score 20 and you'll notice that in practice. So, okay. Will he actually get, you know, and say, hey, I'm going to challenge the guys and I should be getting more minutes? I don't know yet. But, again, I know he'll be ready if he ever call with injuries and, and then situations. I think he'll always be ready. Well, he's going to need – I mean, they're going to need that, right? I mean, every team needs that. Everyone. Every team every. is going to need that. And if he's making shots, like I said, it's been hard to keep him off, off the court. Now, Absolutely. the interesting thing with Agbaji is – the Isaac Okoro effect. I know that there are many Cavs fans who are frustrated that Isaac Okoro hasn't been able to become a more consistent offensive player. They don't trust him to, you know, create on his own. Um, right. He's not a consistent three-point shooter. He's a much better one this past year than the year prior. I believe it went up from like 27% from three up to 31, which is still pedestrian, but growth is growth. And there's no going around that. Right. Do you think that, you know, Agbaji is a guy that, and it's very premature to inject a rookie directly in the starting lineup, no matter how good they are. Um, I Mm -hmm. still think that Dwayne Casey is going to find a way to not start Jay Nivey. He'll go Kate Cunningham and Corey Joseph or something. So it's very hard to, you know, crack the starting lineup as, as a rookie, but you know, if Agbaji is hitting shots and his length really allows him to be a passable defender next to Darius, is that a guy that eventually usurps, you know, Isaac Okoro and sort of his role, because eventually the offense is going to supersede anything that Okoro can provide on defense or, or, or is that just too premature yet? That's too, it's too premature because everyone has expectations. And what happens is a lot of fans and a lot of people who think that players can develop a certain way, they put expectations on what they think could be. I always watch, like, again, if you watch the effort, you'll start to see, this guy can actually bring value to the team. Then you'll see his IQ because he's smart enough to pick up and know his role. You know, like some guys will come in and be like, hey, man, I can score. Yeah, if you get anybody gets 20 shots can score, but it's not going to help the team. <laughs> like you got to right. know certain shots are good shots, certain shots are not. And just knowing your role, I think that's different. Like Draymond Green, even when he's at what he did, he learned how to play his role. So he passed up a lot of shots that he could probably make only to make this team better. So I think that's the same with these guys. Like if they understand their roles, they'll bring value. 
they'll they'll get that opportunity. But again, that's that's too premature to say they can come in and do anything yet. I just think it's all about the effort and IQ. Once you figure out who has that, that's the guy you'll be like, okay, we understand why he's playing more than someone else. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. It's too premature. I think people are just anxious for some somebody to replace Isaac, uh, you know, Isaac Okoro in that in that role because they're just frustrated with the lack of offense. But mm-hmm. you know, well, we will have to see. I I think that the defense is super valuable. Um, did you get a chance to see Luke Travers play? Uh, not a lot. I didn't. I didn't. I was so okay. busy going around. We were talking to a lot of sure. teams. And like I said, I didn't get to watch the whole Cavs game either. So it's uh, it was it was tough to get a lot of time in. I was speaking to so many different players uh, about mental health and staying stable and, and fighting through the fatigue and whatnot. So I was moving around a lot. Well, then let's wrap up the Cavs talk real quick and, and talk about that uh, because that's obviously very important as well. You know, rookies get thrust into very – uh, fast paced situations right off the bat. Um, so let's, let's wrap up the Cavs talk real, real quick. Um, Luke Travers, you probably saw the mullet. Uh, he's being compared to Larry Bird because of the mullet. Um, you know, I have tempered expectations because he is a, he's a draft and stash player, but he, you know, in watching just some of, some of his time on the court already this summer, like he seems like a wing that, just does the little things really well. Um, he hustles. He knows what to do with the ball in transition. Just makes smart decisions. Cavs fans can be excited about him, but again, he's he's a guy that's going to be a, a, a stash player. You might see him next year when they get a lot more roster flexibility. Uh, but very much worth noting. Same thing with RJ Nembhard. He has come on strong. He's familiar with the Cavs system playing with the charge. Um, he's a guy that could be pushing guys who are lower on the bench for time. He could be pushing like a Lamar Stevens, although I, I know the Cavs are very, very interested in keeping and, and playing Lamar more, but, you know, yeah. so those, those, those are some of the guys that might be, might be pushing for time next year. Um, mm-hmm. yep. And of course the Cavs still haven't signed Colin Sexton yet. Of course uh, I'm expecting them to, do it like right after the podcast ends. So I have to edit in a two minutes about that, but we'll, we'll see. They have not signed him yet. Um, at this point, you know, would it be weird if he accepted the qualifying offer? No, not at all. Not at all. I think, I think, I think it'd be weird only if he doesn't believe in something else is going to happen. I think every person's got their own thing. Like, you know, I signed a one-year deal just to, to go to a winning team to see if that's what I wanted to do, as opposed to signing to a six-year team that I didn't, I wasn't sure of. You know what I mean? Like you try right. to figure out what's best for your future and financially, and you you sometimes you do that. So sometimes sometimes players really love the game and want to stay there and want to figure it out. So you'll you'll see you'll see what he does, but I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. You know, he's, I, a comp- I, he's a competitor too. So. He is a competitor, and um, it was said on the ESPN broadcast for today's game that he's fully healthy and will be ready for training camp, which is always good to hear too after his uh, after his knee injury. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if someone would have said he's going to take the qualifying offer, if I'd heard that like in February, I would have thought 
that person's insane or something terrible has happened uh, where he can only take the qualifying offer. Uh, but now it seems more plausible. I think it's more plausible. And given the fact that you know, they weren't able to work out a sign and trade with the Pacers to free up some space in the Ricky Rubio signing, um, they have a little little financial wiggle room. I think they need to move on from Jetty or from Dylan Windler to free up some extra some extra cap space. But we'll we will have to see on the Colin yeah. Sexton front. Um, yeah. So before we wrap up this podcast, I did want to talk about uh, and really listen because I'm interested uh, about some of the other people you spoke to, the work that you were doing at summer league. I'm sure it was very hectic and very hot the whole time. Um, so if you just want to just want to go over some of the things that you did and some of the people that you talked to in summer league, I would love to hear. Uh, well, basically, I was just teaching them about life and, and how this is a business uh, to try to keep your emotions from uh, to interfering with your your decision making. You know, because sometimes we'll look at life and we'll look at the sport, I mean, and forget about life, you know, because like taking a person as a general manager or a coach or someone might tell you something and not actually be true. I was just telling them, hey, you guys got to be ready to do your job. You know, that was one thing that we didn't get a chance to hear from other people. You would ask a vet and they would say, just go get your money, not thinking about your future, how things should be going and, and such not. So I think now it's just having a, a conversation with these young guys to just do your job and have fun. Don't worry about all the other stuff. It'll take care of itself. Uh, don't let the business side affect you, how you love the game of basketball. You've been fortunate enough to make it this far. So just having those kind of conversations, man, really got to see those guys uh, smile and say, you know what, you're right. Like, I've made it this far. You know, I tell them, like, look at all mm-hmm. the guys and 10 years ago who you thought were better than you. Look where they're at now. You kept going. You kept believing in yourself. You kept doing the right things, and you made it. So stay the same way. It's just understand what you're doing now is magnified more. So be careful what you're doing, what you say, and enjoy it. And I think a lot of these kids don't enjoy the process. They just they try so hard to get to the NBA that they never enjoy the process of even trying to make it or even staying in the NBA. And I think that's the fun part. Just go out there, enjoy yourself. You know, have fun, play like you played at a park, go to win, give your best, be smart and enjoy it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's oftentimes it's the journey. It's not just the destination. Uh, you know, it's all of the all of the things that you see and the people you meet along the way. Um, so you said you talked to Agbaji and you talked to Isaiah Mobley. Who else were you able to talk to? Was it just with rookies or was it just teams in general? Uh, mostly all rookies, all rookies. It was all rookies. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. We do it every year. We try to get them in for them. Some of the guys who's coming back who played already, they pretty much know what to do. They've heard the spiel, and if they want to talk and come join, they were more than welcome. I even spoke to some of them, but it was all about just making sure these young guys knew how to how to uh, process this new transition. I told them that's all you call it, the rookie transition. You transition mm-hmm. from a young man to a, a, a businessman, uh, and you have to focus on that right now. Okay. Um, were you able to talk to any, any of the other top 10 picks? Yeah, talk to all of them. Talk to oh, wow. Everybody. Okay. Yeah, so we was all in the same room. Uh, we did everything together, so it was pretty fun. That's very awesome. That's a lot of um, that's that's a lot of knowledge that you know you you were trying to pass down to some guys that you know there's they're they're just getting inundated with stuff right now from their teams, from their families, 
You know, it's, yeah. it's just a lot to process. Um, that's very cool. And mental health and, you know, just being prepared and, and, and whatnot, they are super important, especially as these kids go from being drafted to like a month later, now they're playing in games and preparing for training camp and all of the pressures of that. Um, is there anything that you had wished that you would have heard when you were in these young guys' positions uh, that, you know, that would have made it a bigger difference? Like what's, what's the one thing that you make sure you hammer home with these young guys that, you know, that sticks with you personally? To not let the business side affect you. And I think it's always affected me because I'm like, why would you lie to me? Why would you not tell me the truth? Why would you not just, you know, like, we're figuring like, hey, I'm a man. Like, just tell me, hey, you know, we're going to do this. Because some teams did. Some teams like, you know what? Hey, we're going to go in a different direction. We're going to sign a trade. We're going to give you the best. We wish you the best. Like, so, a couple teams did that. But the other ones were literally like, hey, no, you won't get traded. You want this. We'll do this. We'll make sure. And then they did. And I took it personal. And I was like, oh, man, these are liars. Like, I really was upset because they didn't. I didn't feel like they had to. But I didn't realize it was really a business. And they're having to do that to keep everything kind of like, I guess, peaceful and kind of keep it, you know, so no one else knows. It was a variety of reasons why they did it. And I realized now it's like, oh, they were just doing business. They weren't, it wasn't personal against me. And that's what I tell the kids. Don't let this take away from your your success but in your business future by taking it personal. And I think as long as no one's said anything derogatory towards you, I think that was something I wish someone would have told me. Everyone said, you know, we were playing, just get your money and go play. Now it's like your whole brand can be affected by just sitting doing that. And I think we didn't, a lot of us younger guys at the point didn't maximize our brand like now they do. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with the NIL being introduced for college athletes, I think that has really changed things a lot. Uh, for college players. I mean, it's an immeasurable amount of change that that has been introduced by allowing that to happen. And, um, you know, there's positives and there's, you know, there's not negatives, but there, you know, there's just different outcomes and different things that happen as a result of that. And it introduces immediate financial gain at a very, very young age, you know, maybe before these kids are able to understand the, you know, the magnitude of it. So, okay. Well, that's very cool. Um, it's really important. And, you know, every couple of months, years, you, you see stories pop out about guys that, you know, needed that advice and it wasn't given back then. Um, yes. Eddie Curry comes to mind. There was a big write-up on him and, you know, he was a very highly touted prospect and came out and, you know, needed that sort of guidance um, there was an article today about Shabazz Muhammad who had a similar thing when he was in high school and then going to UCLA. So really important information. That's very awesome. You guys speak to all of the top 10 picks and all of the, all of the rookies. That's very, very awesome. So yeah. before we wrap up this podcast, anything else from Vegas that you wanted to touch on? I'm sure there was a ton happening. Yeah, man, it was just great to see those guys. I mean, I'm looking forward to the next the next uh, group of guys ready to play, and uh, just uh, I'm just excited to see some really good kids. You know, it wasn't a whole lot of prima donnas, wasn't a lot of you know disrespectful kids. They were really well mannered, really uh, solid kids, and I'm looking forward to seeing them. Fantastic. Well, uh, I know I kind of squeezed you on time this week between Vegas and you heading out for your birthday, so we'll preemptively say a happy birthday to uh, DA yeah. <laughs> and to enjoy much. and uh, to enjoy the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I'm glad we were able to squeeze in a podcast. Uh, we'll be talking more Cavs next week, I'm sure. Well, maybe. Who knows if, honestly, who knows if Colin Sex will be signed by them. But um, we will have plenty more Cavaliers talk for you all next week as the next step is training camp. We're going to come here pretty quickly. Well, really, the next step is Kevin Durant figuring out where he's going to be playing basketball. And then it seems like the NBA season will officially be starting, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, seeing what happens with DeAndre Ayton signing an offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers, which really throws a wrench in everything. But that's for another podcast. Um, DA, thank you so much for finding some time to join me. And uh, once again, enjoy your birthday this weekend, sir. Thank you, my friends. Good talking to you. Good talking to you and good having all of you listening. We appreciate all of you very much listening to the Believe in Cavs podcast, part of the Believe Network. We'll see you all next time.